The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. While these homilies are the same in content as those preached, they have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. A man going on a journey called in his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to a third one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Immediately the one who received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise the one who received two made another two. But the man who received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came forward, bringing the additional five. He said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come share your master's joy. Then the one who had received two talents also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come share your master's joy. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a demanding person, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So out of fear I went off and buried your talent in the ground. Here it is back. His master said to him in reply, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I did not plant and gather where I did not scatter. Should you not then have put my money in the bank so that I could have got it back with interest on my return? Now then take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will grow rich. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And throw this useless servant into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord Well, this is another one of those Gospels that leaves me shaking my head a bit at first, wondering just what the poor third servant did that was so wrong. I mean, it sounds like this guy was just too scared to risk failure. So he punted. Granted, he did punt on first down, which of course resulted in the failure he was hoping to avoid. But in order to understand this parable correctly, we really have to get away from the money connection. Otherwise, we can head down a road of investment analysis instead of faith formation. No, far better for us to see this parable in light of its deeper theological meaning, which for us Christians should be clear. Our clue to the true meaning of the talent lies in the words Jesus uses to recognize the first two servants that performed well. Jesus does not say, well done, my financially astute and fiscally responsible servant. He does not say, nice job, my shrewd and savvy servant. Since you are wise, successful, productive, in small, I will give you large. No, his words of praise for both of them are the same. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. This parable is not about money. 
It is about faith. Jesus, our master, has returned to heaven and left us his prized possession, the church. As believers, he has given each of us a measure of faith. We are to grow this faith and with it support, contribute to, and grow the church during his physical absence. Ready to give an account of our efforts when we see him again upon his return at the end of the world, or for most of us, at the end of our lives. So given the varying degrees of faith we may have been entrusted with to this point in our lives, how do we make the most of it and find ourselves among the good and faithful and joyful as opposed to the wicked, lazy, and useless when we see our Master again? As I look for key words in this scripture for direction, I find the word ability, entrusted to them each according to his ability. This is the key phrase for me which both diminishes my discomfort and shows me the way to my desired result. It diminishes my discomfort for it shows that the third servant was not, as it first appeared, judged overly harshly for simply being an ultra-conservative risk avoider. For the master knew his ability compared to the others, which is why he was only given one talent to begin with. His problem was not that he wasn't as able as the others, but that he failed to meet the very minimal expectations the master had set for him. Given his lesser ability, the master would no doubt have been satisfied if he simply had taken the money to the bank and returned it with interest. He says as much in his rebuke. No, this servant was rightly criticized, not for failing to double the number, as the others had done, but for simply doing nothing with the ability that he had. It is because he was only asked to do what he could do, and yet did nothing, that he was rightfully judged lazy and useless. Now, in my case, and in yours, our Master, Christ the Lord, both knows our ability and is the ongoing source of increasing and enhancing it. As people of faith, we should recognize that any ability we have is God-given. We depend on God for every breath we take, let alone the skills and abilities we use to get through the day. It is in recognizing this dependence that we see the key for maximizing the return on God's investment in us. By way of illustration, I want to refer back to a homily I gave at a wedding a few weeks ago. In this particular case, during the wedding preparations, several weeks before the wedding itself, the bride had asked me about whether or not it would be possible to include in the service a cord of three strands ceremony. If you are not familiar with this ceremony, it is an activity in which the bride and groom weave three identical strands of cord together in a three-stranded rope of sorts. The symbolism being that one strand represents the bride, one strand the groom, and the third strand represents God. It is based on the scripture in Ecclesiastes 4.12, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. At first look, it sounds like a nice gesture, the idea being that the couple is stronger if, rather than depending on their strength alone to make their marriage work, they include God in the weave, in the relationship, and their bond will be stronger. Nothing wrong with that idea for sure. And while I persuaded them that, given the already rich symbolism of the church's sacramental wedding rite, no addition to the ceremony was needed, as the wedding day approached, I couldn't get this three-chord ceremony out of my mind. 
I couldn't quite put my finger on it at the time, but something in the symbolism didn't quite work for me. As I was preparing the wedding homily, it occurred to me what didn't fit. You see, the problem with this illustration is that the strands are all the same size. And in spite of the false narrative the world is trying to sell us, we are not, thankfully, the same size as God. For this symbolism to be accurate, the strands representing the couple, or for that matter, any of us, would have to be the size of a very fine thread, and the strand representing God would be the size of a ship hawser, those huge ropes used to tie up ocean tankers and cruise ships. In truth, that size comparison would still be insufficient, but at least it would be closer to the truth than three same-size strands. However, once appreciating the size difference between our thread and God's enormous rope, the prudent weaving course does become apparent. The first and rightful step in a successful life, married or single, is the weaving of our thread to the rope of God. Entering into the relationship he invites us to, created us for, intertwining our lives with his, yoking ourselves to him, becoming one with him, allowing him to make his strength our strength, weaving our thread to the three-stranded cord of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, infinitely increasing not only our strength to resist the challenges of this life, but also increasing our combined strength with other similarly woven believers with whom we are in relationship, be it in the sacred sacramental bond of marriage or the other loving relationships of faithful family and friends that comprise the church. So how do we weave ourselves to God? I think part of the answer may lie in the words the Master uses to compare the two types of servants. If you remember, he describes the first two as good and faithful, and the third as wicked and lazy. Now, it is easy to see that wicked is one of the obvious opposites to good, but it is interesting that in contrasting with the word faithful, he does not use the word faithless or unfaithful, but instead uses the word lazy, the implication being that in terms of our faith, being lazy can be just as detrimental as being unfaithful that one can't be faithful and lazy, and that when it comes to increasing our faith, being faithful requires effort, and our willing efforts, whether flat or fervent, help us to an increased faith. Now, I admit that on many occasions I have prayed even though I didn't feel like praying, doing so more as an act of will than out of emotional desire, only to suddenly find my prayer time inspired and my prayer fervent. The action of seeking God, worshiping and adoring, giving thanks and repenting, to read and contemplate Scripture, whether particularly inspired or not, brings one closer to God, who is ultimately the source of our inspiration. You know, anyone who has been successfully married for a period of time can tell you about the mature married love that hopefully follows the early married romantic infatuated love. For example, the decision to get up to change a diaper at three in the morning so one spouse can remain asleep 
That decision is seldom driven by a great desire to handle a dirty diaper. It is an act of the will, based on love that in many ways expresses true love more effectively than any emotionally driven romantic gesture and often is more appreciated. This is just one example, and I'm sure you can think of others, where the loving action is more an act of the will than a feeling. In the same way as the recipient of these loving actions, so does our all-knowing God recognize our decision, our dedication, and our devotion to pray out of love for Him, even when we may not feel particularly motivated to pray. There is much truth in the golfer's quote that the more I practice, the luckier I get, as well as the adage that most career successes are the result of perspiration rather than inspiration. Simply put, if we want to weave ourselves to the rope of God, we must put our string where God's rope is. Finding time to pray, read the Bible, attend a daily Mass or Eucharistic adoration, get to confession, read a saint's biography. Seek the Lord, and He will be found. Just as this string finds its way easily into the crease of this much larger rope. We were designed to be woven into a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior. He created us with the ability and faith to seek it. All we need to do is put forth the effort to make it so. For we are children of the light and children of the day. Therefore, let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us stay alert, making the most of our talent and ability to walk in His ways. For questions or comments on this homily, write to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.